Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine Podcast Radio. You're about to listen to a new episode of Audio Signals. Get ready to take a journey into the known, the unknown, and everything in between. Recorded at no specific point in time nor space, ITSP Magazine's co-founders Marco Cipelli and Sean Martin follow their passion and curiosity as they venture away from the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society to discover new stories worth being told. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. We are on, Sean. We're here. It's time to get educated. I know. You know what is power? Knowledge is power, Mark. I don't know. We've been saying that for a while. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I don't know how many are listening, but we've been saying, and we're not not going to stop uh, either. No. It's a mission we have and a mission we share with many, I believe. And uh, we have a guest on today who's going to help us educate ourselves and our guests on what it means to uh, be educated and to get educated. And, and in certain specific, um, for certain perspective, that is not necessarily the the overview of the the program that the government tells you that they need to schools and curriculum needs to follow. Sometimes we've spoke about the future, kind of put our futuristic hat on and talk about artificial intelligence teaching kids like you see into into some movies. And uh, we're not far from that, I can say. But at the same time, maybe we're jumping the gun here because we need some basic education. And uh, our guest here, which I'm going to introduce right now, uh, William Tucker, Uh, Welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Marco, and uh, pleasure to be on your show. Yeah, thank you for... uh, I want people to hear your voices, not just Sean and I going on and on. My point is that you're doing something that is much broader than education, but I have a feeling that it's going to then connect very well to education. So you have a foundation, and I would Mm -hmm. love to hear the story. That's why you're here. That's why... We want to have this conversation to share your story and your foundation uh, mission with our audience. So let's start with yourself, uh, a little bit about you and uh, and what you do. Well, uh, my name is William Tucker, and uh, as you stated, I have a foundation, uh, you know, uh, where I help children around the world, right? And this was actually started by my wife, Megan, uh, well, about seven years ago by now. Um, where we just went, uh, you know, time to give back to society, right? And I've always done volunteer work throughout my life, you know, but I'd never taken it on myself, right? And, you know, diving into this field, I think one of the first projects we did was uh, helping Syrian refugee children, right, who were escaping from war zones. And, um, you know, that was a very interesting lesson, Right. Uh, Because when you actually are like on the ground or close to the ground or close to ground zero of any conflict, you really see uh, the devastation and uh, and misery. Right. That these conflicts create and children tend to be the unwilling uh, victims stuck in the middle of political conflict. Right. Where do you want to call it? You know, whatever reason stated by the press. You know, uh, you know, in the end, it's the children that suffer. Okay. So, um, you know, being on that ground and helping, helping these kids, you know, you really get a different perspective what's going on. But, you know, as the months went by, it became very interesting, you know, because these refugees would always have one question, right? Why is this war? happening why is this happening right the average person has no clue why this is happening right and this is where your motto knowledge is power right is very appropriate right Uh, because the average person has no clue why is this happening so this kind of started to sink in this common question of why why nobody seems to know and 
when you ask around, there's always a different answer, right? Depending which political party or, or, or which side of the fence, you know, it's a different reason. Again, kids stuck in the middle of this, they have no idea. Um, um, but, you know, one conflict ends and another conflict starts up, right? Uh, and you look a little bit at the history and, and there isn't one time on earth where we have peace on earth, right? But every time when you look at the actual regular people being impacted, you know, <laughs> knowledge is power is missing, right? They have no power because they don't understand the situation. They don't understand how it came about. And they may have very well voted for the people, you know, that put them in that position, right? That made them lose everything, right? So looking at and, this, and you William, know, can doing I... emergency... Hmm? I was going to pause you because I, I wanted to dig into this because knowledge is power. Um, and it's something we, as we mentioned, we say quite often. Um, but one of the points in, in the materials we, we have to prepare for this is talking about uh, a world of understanding. And, yes. I, and I, I wonder your thoughts on this because knowing is one thing. And, and we, we can look back over time and see where... Uh, people withheld information and uh, kept kept societies uninformed and uneducated to kind of help keep them in line. Um, so that's one whole thing. But even if we do share information and, and people gain knowledge, um, and especially, and I'm sure we'll touch on a little bit here, uh, when we start to look at technology and how we use technology to drive society and drive humanity, um, the understanding is a whole different level. And so I wonder your thoughts on that, uh, specifically related to education and some of the points that you, you just mentioned as well. Okay, good. Well, I think you've hit the nail on the head. It's all about understanding, right? You can have all the knowledge in the world, right? You can have all the facts in the world. If you're unable to understand and analyze, you have nothing, right? Uh, and here technology becomes a double-edged sword, right? If we hand too much of the knowledge over to technology and we ourselves get lazy and omit the understanding part of it, we let the computer analyze it, you know, you run into this very real danger of losing track, you know, of actually backsliding, right? And I think that's, that's a bit of a problem we face now in an education system, right? We've become so focused on technology um, that understanding has dropped out of education, right? How do you sort data? How do you sort fact? How do you analyze it? You know, um, nice that your computer can run an analysis and a computer can run a lot more facts and can be as a, uh, used as a tool, you know, but the individual still must understand what's going on. Right? Because the computer will only be as accurate as the data and facts fed into it. So you have the human aspect, right? If I'm just blindly feeding wrong information into a computer, I will get wrong answers, right? So uh, education must be understanding based because without understanding, there is no power, right? Uh, and a very simple demonstration of this, right? If I say three plus three is seven, you go, oh, no, 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 hold on, William, you're wrong, right? It's because you understand basic arithmetic, right? I can't fool you because you understand the subject, right? Uh, now, a subject that you have no in-depth knowledge or that you don't understand, I can feed you any facts if uh, uh, I feel like. Um, and you do not personally have the ability to analyze, right? So when understanding is missing, when understanding is not the focus of our education, uh, you lose the ability to use knowledge. Yeah, and that's definitely been used as a, as a tool by government of all sorts for since the beginning of the world. I don't want to go there, but even the retaining the right. knowledge of the shaman in a tribe or panamans or senses in the roman culture of give them entertainment and food and don't you know leave them out of the conversation so i 
I could go there and I love to go there, but <laughs> I think that gives a big picture of how we, we have instrumentalized education. Uh, but I want to go back into a little bit more concrete on uh, when you do what you do at a humanitarian level to help the children's. And we were talking before we started that we sometimes don't think about, we think about food, we think about, I mean, essential needs at that particular moment. But at the, there is a point where you need to also give them education. So how that happened and how did you figure that out in your experience in concretely on, on the okay. field? Well, that, that's very nicely asked, actually, you know, because when you keep giving aid, you keep giving aid, you keep giving aid, it's a never-ending stream. It will never stop, right? This is why even in the, the volunteer and the charity field, right, you have people that suffer burnout, right? I've seen many of my friends suffer burnout because it's just war after war, emergency after emergency, and, and you just cannot keep up, right? Uh, and really looking at that, I started to analyze, you know, okay, like what is going to cause actual change? What's the real problem we're facing here? Well, um, somebody who needs help uh, obviously is not in a state to help themselves, right? Okay, well, that's the basic underlying problem. Uh, uh, so, so, so. How do you get a person into a state so they can help themselves and their community, right? How do you, you bring forward progress so you can break a cycle, uh, right? And for that, I actually went out to the slums myself. I actually first went to South Africa, and I th thought I'm going to go to some of the worst slums in the world. I'm going to find out for myself, right? So I actually went into a place called Etwatwa, right? Now, Etwatwa is a Zulu word, and it means machine gun fire. Okay, um, <clears throat> this was the name of the slum, and I said, okay, um, let me go there, right? Now, to give you perspective on this, um, police don't go into a Twatwa. Government workers don't go into a Twatwa. Um, in actual fact, if you talk to a South African from Soweto, they do not dare st step foot in a Twatwa, Okay. So understand that people from Soweto advise you not to go into <laughs> a twatwa to give you perspective. So my wife and I said, okay, well, that's the place we're going to go then. <laughs> <laughs> Challenge uh, accepted. <laughs> right? Challenge accepted. Right? Oh, my God. Right? Um, so we found like a local uh, and we went there. Right? And in a twatwa, well, they had never seen a white person. Right? Uh, because nobody goes there and we arrive there and it's just devastation. Um, uh, no running water, shacks, you know, broken down shacks as living quarters, uh, no hygiene facilities, the ground is barren, um, trash all around, and the kids are walking in between, you know, trying to find something useful or trying to find something to eat or... Um, um, uh, and right next to it happens to be some chemical company illegally burning chemicals that they couldn't get, you know, so you've got these huge black smoke clouds uh, polluting the environment um, on the ground where these kids or, or their families would grow their food if they could, right? Um, and just to get in there, it's like I actually brought a carload of oranges, right, uh, as, as treats for the kids just to get in there safely, start handing out treats to the kids so they'd know, you know, I was there with good intentions. And uh, my wife and I hopped out of the car, started handing out oranges. And, you know, within about 15 minutes, I think we had every kid in the slum and the mothers coming, uh, you know, we gave everybody oranges and we started the conversation going. Uh, 10 minutes into that conversation, they went, okay, you guys are all right. Well, we'll make sure nobody kills you. <laughs> right uh which is the polite way of saying okay we've decided you know you're all right and we'll let you live right uh, nobody they need to protect us from except themselves right because that's this is africa right uh this is the level of survival right when you start looking around uh and at first you yourself go into shock 
right? You go, what am I even going to do to fix this? Right? There is nothing. Right? So uh, uh, that's an interesting, interesting point, William. I'm gonna, I want you to stick with this, with this story and where you are, but just from an education perspective, um, because they have such other troubles to sort through, does that mean they shouldn't have education, or, or how, how does education fit in then? If, if even just the basics of surviving are non-existent or, or very challenging to to maintain. How do you do that? And, and I presume bringing a collection of textbooks in. <laughs> I don't know. Does no, that okay, help? So again, or, very, yeah. very interesting. It's uh, now I have to destroy another false narrative, right? You know, we think that that, that there is a, you know, like, how can you even bring education? Well, I went to ask them, what do you think you need, right? I asked the parents, I asked the kids. And do you know what they said? They said, we need education. I was in shock. Right? They didn't ask for food. And that's the most educated. That's the most educated answer you could get. When somebody <laughs> realized that they need education, that there is already education in that. That's an sentence. understanding. Yeah. Exactly. That's the understanding. They know they need education, right? But there is this narrative running around that these people can't get educated, you know, because they're too busy surviving, right? It's just not true, right? Yes, they're busy surviving, but they are surviving. I'm not saying in great condition, right? But I'm sorry, if you're five-year-old and, and you're alive in such an environment, you have something going for you. There is power of personality there. There is like a, a little individual who is refusing to die, right? <laughs> um, uh, and I've lectured in some of the top private schools. I've done programs in some of the top private schools of the world, top private boarding school in India, and I've been in the slums. And I have found no difference in intelligence or ability to learn in the kids at the bottom or at the top. There's just opportunity. And what's missing in these slums? Opportunity, right? Um, then... Okay, how do you bring education? Okay, that's a challenge, right? Because they're behind. So if you bring the regular education materials for a sixth grader to somebody who hasn't had the earlier foundation put in, you get nowhere, right? Because, Marco, yes, I did bring all the textbooks. I had Oxford textbooks. I had uh, textbooks, you know, uh, recommended by the government. I even got textbooks that, and were used in the top private schools in the world, okay? And I brought them all to the slums, and I started testing them. I got nowhere, right? Because there was a missing foundation, because they were already behind, right? And, you know, if you run a marathon, you're not, you, you can't start in the middle, right? You have to start at the start line, Right? And this is just completely overlooked. It's so obvious. It is so obvious, right? And this is what's wrong with the Western education system uh, or, or government education. We classify them by age and say, oh, you're this old, so you're in this class. No. If you haven't done first grade, you haven't done first grade. I don't care if you're 20, right? You don't have the first grade foundation. So, so... I can't start you off in 10th grade. It's funny. That, that, that matters when there's money, right? When you want to enter a university right. that charges a lot of money, then you have to have yeah, know, the right. high school degree yeah. with high honors and all this stuff. Exactly. Maybe that you're right. not, you're, you don't have the foundation even in that case, but you know, yeah. <laughs> you're in anyway because the system allows you to get there. But yeah, the system and in those level, it's just who do you know? Yeah. Right? It's who do yeah. you know? And that's the value of some of these universities. It's like you get hired by the reputation of the university. Right? Right. Uh, right, right, right. You know, it's so let, let me let me ask you let me ask you something, William, because I, I always ask myself, what would the audience ask at this point? Right? So I think yeah. I think at this point, I, if I can think what they will ask is 
how do you fill that gap? And what is the alternative to starting all over again? Because obviously the first grade, second grade, uh, you know, elementary school, whatever, to bring them up to speed, you just can't do it. So what what's the alternative there? And what on your pers from your perspective and from what you've learned, what can education be in that case? Where it comes from? Okay. Well, um, again, that, that's where understanding, this whole subject of understanding comes in, right? Um, anything you understand is easy, right? So we took a different approach. How do you start building understanding, right? Let's not worry about memorization and how many facts do you know. Let's start by building little bits of understanding, right? And um, no matter what subject you are going to study, the very first thing you need is literacy, right? If you can't read, you can't get through a textbook in any subject, right? So we started focusing on literacy, right? And the funny part is, again, when we were surveying, when I was asking the kids, what do you think you need? What do you want? You know, what would make a difference to you? Oh, you know, I need to learn to read. Shocking, right? You could cry, right? <laughs> uh, when you hear that from a kid in the slum, right? Um, next thing I actually did, I went and uh, I finished my project over there and I'm going to jump forward a little bit. Uh, and then I was, I was in a slum in India. And I went and lived in a slum for a year, right? And I took all the textbook and I just started going, okay, how do we get the kids literate? I actually sold my house, left everything behind, uh, you know, uh, and I went and lived in a slum. And I said, I'm going to stay here, you know, until I figure out uh, how to get these kids literate, okay? Went through all the textbooks, you know, uh, and it became obvious that schools are teaching people in reverse, okay? If you go to learn English, what do they give you? They give you a grammar book, right? And there you sit, I am, you are, he is, right? And you do all these conjugations. But you don't speak English, right? Grammar is the polishing off of a language, no matter what language, right? It's the last thing you teach right? Not the first thing. No mother gives a newborn a grammar book and expects them, you know, to learn Italian or English or Russian. There is an actual natural process, right? But again, here, observation, understanding, and the ability to analyze come in, right? Not just, oh, this should be known, this should be... No, you have to look and see what works. Data analysis, understanding. That's all I did. Right? I applied data analysis. So, oh, these kids have no words. They have no vocabulary. How can I make them do grammar? This book is useless. <laughs> right? Because uh, they it, get lost. William, is it, is it the difference between communication and, and study and, and reading and learning? Uh, and I wonder, because there's another point uh, that we have here to, to look after, and you've connected it to parents, uh, I think specifically connected to mothers, who I presume are, are home and with the, the kids you're working with. But just this concept of teaching the kids directly versus teaching parents and adults uh, so that they can be the teachers. Uh, so teaching the teachers, right? Uh, teaching the parents yep. so that they can... Not necessarily have conversations to your point, but teach them how to learn, teach them how to gain knowledge, teach them how to understand. You know, and you're right, it's better to have a whole bunch of teachers, right? But uh, this is the answer we've been hearing for uh, 100 years now. We need more teachers, right? There's not enough teachers, there's not enough uh, 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 teachers, right? We need more teachers. More and more money gets thrown in it and literacy gets worse and worse and worse. So from a data, data analysis perspective, um, it sounds like we're handling the wrong problem, right? Uh, uh, and especially in third world countries, you know, I, I've spoken to a lot of teachers and professors, right? And I ask them questions like, hey, tell me, what is the meaning of the word alphabet? 
and they can't answer. You understand? They can't answer. Um, tell me, what is a letter? You know, they get all confused, right? And that's where, like, they have these bits of knowledge, but no understanding, right? They can't go, oh, a letter? Oh, that's a symbol that represents a sound, right? That's a definition of a letter. It's a symbol that represents a sound. Uh, but none of these basics are in, right? Uh, uh, you know, if you ask them, well, hey, what is the definition of a word? Well, a word is a word. Okay, but what does it mean? What does the word word mean? Well, it's a group of letters that has meaning, right? Uh, these simplicities, right? The, the, these foundational simplicities. Anyway, um, but but just with data analysis, you know, we, we just took a look. Okay, teachers are not the answer. Then I ask myself a question, what is educational material, right? How would you define educational material, right? And that's when, when the cat fe fell out of the bag, right? Because if you answer that correctly, if you answer that question correctly, all of a sudden you open, open the door to a solution, right? So it kind of took me a long time to work this out, but it was that question which opened the door. What is educational material? Well, here's my definition of educational material material that is self-explanatory that doesn't require external input in order to explain what's in the book right uh, because a book that doesn't give you sufficient information to understand and apply is obviously incomplete and could not be uh, deemed educational material so if you put everything needed in a book, so you don't need somebody else to ex explain the subject to you, now you have educational material, you know? And looking from that perspective, I went, wow, you know, there does not actually exist educational materials, right? Because all existing educational materials rely on somebody else to explain what they're trying to say. That's backwards. Right, that's completely. It makes backwards. me think about all, all all the footnotes, you know, when you read a book, and especially right. in college yeah. or when when you write an academic paper. Uh, we went through that not too long ago, Sean and I. And we we're like, yeah. oh, we don't we don't like to do this, but yeah, you have to you have to reference something else. But is this person expecting to have twenty five books just to read that book? Why don't exactly. you just explain it right there? And and I'm thinking we're talking about probably people that are close to a PhD or that have a PhD. So I'm thinking, how do you apply this to a kid? And and I I never put it that way, but it's going it's been a little bit of a revelation for me when you to look at an educational tool as self confined in serving the purpose and i i love what you just put that right there I yeah mean, so 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 beautiful. this was a major breakthrough right mm -hmm. when yes. we just looked at it and went wow whatever you're going to teach it's got to be self-contained so you don't have to be there to explain it because if your booklet or or whatever you're giving doesn't explain it and it needs somebody else you haven't explained it correctly right and and when you take that viewpoint, all of a sudden, boom, the door opens, right? And then I took a door and look at literacy. What's the hardest, uh, hardest thing in learning English? And, and Marco, you will know this as an Italian. I think, uh, you know, I think uh, uh, it's the small words. Mm. Yes. Right? The small words of a language. And, right? I usually ask teachers, all right. Can you explain me to me the three basic meanings of the word and? Right? And people go, what? The three basic meanings of the word and? Right? My teacher said and was a connecting word. I'm like, what is a connecting word? Every word connects. Right? <laughs> this explains nothing. Right? It's a false uh, meaning. Right? Uh, Maybe it does that grammar-wise, but that's not the meaning. And shows there's two or more things, you know, an apple and a pear, right? Or and can be used to show difference. Summer is hot, 
and winter is cold. He's a boy and she is a girl and shows difference, right? Or I work and get paid. Hmm, that's a different meaning. It shows result or what happens after, right? And these are your three basic meanings of the word and, but nobody teaches kids these. Ah, nobody teaches adults these, right? And um, But if you know that this is how it's used, right? All of a sudden, you can start to string together sentences properly, right? And this comes before grammar, right? Because you have nothing to use grammar with until you start understanding. And there's only about 50 small words in the English language that give the meaning to all of our sentence. Because I challenge you, take any newspaper, take any book, right? Look at a sentence, and you will find that 30 to 50% of the sentence is small words like a, the, to, as, in, on, right? But nobody explains those these crucial words which give meaning to the entire sentence because the moment you take these small words out, right? The moment, if you, if, if you take these small words out, the sentence loses all its meaning. And whether you use to or as, which small connecting words, you know, and I say that sarcastically, you use makes a difference to the meaning of the sentence, right? The word at, five basic meanings that any child should know. Otherwise, you can't put a sentence together. At shows place. I'm at home, shows where I am. Uh, at shows time. Uh, meet me at six o'clock. At shows time. Dinner at seven. Movie starts at eight, right? At shows time, right? Um, direction, look at the wall. Look at the moon. Look at the floor, right? At shows direction. Uh, at can also be used to show what one is doing or how one is doing something, right? Uh, I'm good at cleaning, right? Uh, or I'm bad at singing, right? Uh, uh, he is good at art uh, or I'm at play, right? At shows what is being done or how it's... Once you know this, all of a sudden you can start making sentences and understanding sentences, right? So, but we found out that these small words are the hardest to teach, right? So I actually developed a series called Ollie the Elephant, over a hundred booklets right now, where I take one of the meanings of, of one of these small words and with 20 illustrated examples, you know, show how that word is used correctly, right? And then we go on to the second book for at. So for the word at, I have five booklets. <laughs> Uh, each one showing one of the ways that it's being used with 20 examples. Okay, what happens when you do this? You actually accelerate education about 10, 15x, okay? The moment I realized that this was the way to go, right? And I made illustrated guide to, to, to the most fundamental and hardest to understand parts of the English language. Uh, all of a sudden, the kids are learning uh, to read and then unbelievable rate. Um, I was in the slums in Delhi in India. I have a Supreme Court judge come to check out our program. I have my six-year-old girl that spoke no English two months before, right? But she's through the first eight booklets of my Ollie the Elephant uh, uh, learning small words, right? And she reads out uh, the booklet to him, to this judge, you know, and explains each time what the sentence means because, you know, uh, we focus entirely on understanding. And um, I say, okay, now give the judge a sentence using the word at twice with, you know, two different meanings. And she does. And the judge tries to make a sentence using the word at with two different meanings. And he used the wrong meanings. And the six-year-old is like, no, that's wrong, right? And corrects him. <laughs> the Supreme Court judge goes into shock because she's right, right? But my because she understands it. Because right? she understands. It's not just memorizing focusing. it and repeating. It's No, we're focusing only on understanding and application. And, you know, so I've got over a hundred of these booklets now, right? Um, and what was interesting, just making these booklets was a discovery. Because first I thought, hey, you know, let me hire an artist. And then I found out that the artists, even though the artist was great, they themselves didn't have enough understanding to correctly illustrate. 
right? And turn into a disaster. And this is why I love technology. And now let's take technology in here. Because if I try to do art and do a Mona Lisa, right? There's three hairs, you know, uh, you know, four fingers, uh, right? And that's how far I get. But I'm computer literate, right? Uh, and I can use software like Adobe Illustrator. Well, I actually taught myself, right? Uh, um, and I used existing technology to just start building images that created an educational concept, right? So, so technology can be very useful and is vital, right? Uh, when used to create understanding, but we got to keep that human aspect in mind and 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 the goal of education, which is understanding. Let me ask you one thing. I mean, you you bring in all these examples, which are. I mean, I'm connecting a lot of things in my head of my past experience of even the way I learn now and, and the interest in learning the roots of the words, the etymology and all of that. But can you apply this to other disciplines as well? The same concept Absolutely. that you're explaining? Absolutely. Can you, can you give me a couple of, of examples? I'll give you an example, that? right? So yeah. usually let, let's go jump over to math for a second, right? I tend to ask people a simple question. Hey, what does pi mean? Right? And everybody instantly has migraines, right? <laughs> because they, they, they remember the problems they had with uh, math or, or algebra at school, right? I mean, uh, uh, and, and, and they go, oh, pi, pi, it's his number three. You know, Sean, you know? Sean loves pies. Okay, so so why 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 are people scared or 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 confused or even upset with this word pie, right? Uh, education should bring joy and understanding, right? Well, apparently it doesn't always. Um, but then I go, okay, well tell me, do you know what pie means? Right? Because now we're gonna apply the same principle. What does pie mean? Right? Again, I've asked math teachers this. Well, it's the formula, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, okay, but what does pi mean? Why is it called pi? Right? Because the answer is so simple. It's so ridiculous. And it's so explanatory. Pi is, you know, a letter of the Greek alphabet. It corresponds to P, right? In English. But pi is an abbreviation, right? <laughs> and it's the abbreviation for the Greek word perimeter. <laughs> Pi, as we use it in math, is just the Greek word perimeter. What's the outside edge? <laughs> you know, and that's why uh, the formula to calculate the perimeter of a circle is called pi, right? Because it's just a Greek word pi abbreviated, right? And if you give a little fuller understanding, this is what pi is. It's not a random uh, symbol. It's the Greek letter P, and it's the abbreviation for the word perimeter. And the way you calculate the perimeter is, you know, you give the formula. But now we have a complete understanding. And now pi is not just some random object anymore, right? Uh, but the same in computer programming, right? If you misdefine, if you use the wrong word, right? If you use something incorrectly, your software goes haywire, right? It doesn't do what you expect it to do. If you think, if you have a wrong meaning, if you have a wrong understanding of something, right? A person does something different. And this is why education must be understanding-based, right? If you, do, if you do not know what a duck is, I could put you in a field full of ducks and you wouldn't be able to find one. <laughs> <laughs> I want to. I want to go back, William, to uh, the interaction with this uh, the child and the the uh, was it Supreme Court or government official? Yeah, was there uh, the Supreme Court judge. Yeah, there you go. And so she was able to call out um, an incorrect use of of the word. And so, to Margo's point, uh, a level of understanding is there. My question to you is: Are you teaching? the need to understand or are you, is that is that part of the education or is yes. or or yeah, is it just does that happen naturally based on the work that you do to help them understand <laughs> both actually the answer is yes and yes um 
yes, we, we always say, you know, teach with purpose of understanding and that's the goal of education. And, and, you know, I'll tell the children or whoever I'm teaching, you know, if you don't understand what you read, don't bother. You're wasting your time. Right. Uh, 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 you know, he's not learning anything, okay? Uh, but even, okay, uh, you know, I have these little booklets, 20-page illustrations. How do I, do we do it with the children? They read a sentence, right? And they're paired up, and then they must explain what that sentence means, right? So we catch anything they don't understand, right? We catch it right there. And the way I've done these booklets, right, is that any word in the booklet is illustrated or on that page, right? In actual fact, if you know a little bit about art and eye trail, uh, or even from a web development viewpoint uh, or technology, you know, developers are talking about eye trail. How does the the eye flow through the screen? Well, it's the same with the educational images. The eye trail must follow the sentence because if you reverse, if the eye trail of the image and the sentence you're teaching is is mismatching the child will get a different concept than, you know, because he's learning to read and understand. So the image must say the exact same thing, right? And, and because the children are now learning with understanding, they also just automatically themselves start to ask more and more questions and they start to see things that they don't understand. And they come out of this daze, right? And, and um, you know, unfortunately, it's easier to teach a child from a slum than a child that's been to school for several years, right? Because they've been force-fed information and been told to memorize for four years. And now you have to undo, you know, uh, all of that brainwashing of, of just going through information without understanding. Right? And you have to restore real learning habits. So uh, we're into about 45 minutes, 41 minutes now. So I, I want to ask you at least 100,000 questions. So maybe you'll come back because I, I love yeah. to talk about this this kind of stuff. And Sean, I had to, you're not going to hear from him anymore on this conversation because he had to, to leave. Uh, and uh, I think he's went, he went to eat some pie. I think you inspire him with the word pie to go eat some pie. But anyway, Good. I want to keep here, and you know, just a little joke there. When you talk about this connection with the existing way to teach, um, yeah. I agree with you. I think it's wrong. I've been there. I've been saying this for a long time. I don't like it. I never like to memorize. I never like to just learn something as... You need to know dates, names, and formulas, and it doesn't matter in the end if you don't understand it. And that's, again, exactly the root of the solution that you're presenting here. Million-dollar, billion-dollar question is why the system is trapped into this? I mean, given that this works with the kids in the slum, but you just mentioned it will work with every kid. Maybe, maybe the education system could be a lot better. What is from your perspective that in stopping A, the existing Western education system, or I don't know if the Eastern is the same or whatever in the world, but the government-driven curriculum and the way you teach versus how you could fast-forward, fast-track education in where the government is not? Because where you went in the slum, I'm pretty sure the government's not, it's not really there with schools. So no. if it works there and, and it was going to work with any other piece of society, why the hell are we not changing? If it's not working well, why are we not changing? Well, you know, I, I think uh, for one thing, it's like, you know, civilizations evolve, right? Um, and uh, if you look at the last century, if you look, look like what does the existing education system, where does it come from, right? Uh, Prussian Empire education system 100 years ago, right? Um, and the Prussian Empire was a militaristic empire, 
uh, right? And the purpose of that education system was to create unthinking soldiers who would follow orders, right? Uh, uh, and somehow, uh, you know, uh, at the beginning of last century, yeah, that empire was one of the most advanced empires there was. So everybody looked at them, okay, what are they doing right? Okay, and you have this whole industrialization happening and somehow the, the, this Prussian education system came over into, you know, Britain, United States. This is the way to do mass education, right? It had the best of intentions, right? Um, not realizing that it's an education system geared to make soldiers who don't think but do. Right. And quite frankly, for the army, this works. Right. If you if you start to figure out, you know, as a soldier on the battlefield, you're like, well, shall I charge or not? You know, let me think this over. Very, You're dead. Right. Uh, you don't have time to think. Right. So it's not even wrong from that perspective. Right. But life is not on a battlefield. Right. Civilization is not on a battlefield. Uh, so, you know. Uh, you know, and we need to promote individual thinking, right? So, but we're stuck in that, right? And it's been going on so long, right? Uh, it's been going on so long and crept in so gradually that we don't have anybody left that knows what the individual, you know, uh, and free-thinking education system was. And when we see it, we go, well, that's strange. Right? It's not normal, right? Uh, yeah, you know, if normal is what everybody else does, right? But we are human beings, not lemmings, right? Yeah, uh, but it's when you get, well, we're always done it that way. Yes. <laughs> what kind of an answer right? is that? So, okay, yeah. we're doing it wrong, so just, just keep doing it. Um, yeah. I, I think, honestly, that technology can open a lot of opportunities. I always say, for me, having a smartphone in my hand is like having the, the library of Alexandria, you know, just to bring an example, in, in my Absolutely. hand. But you yeah. must use it also for such, not to chat on social media alone, which is nothing wrong with that, but not that alone, not to play little video games and you, you you have a very probably the most powerful instrument we've ever had in, in in our hands in our pockets but we're not teaching people how to use it they don't understand it so i think i'm connecting with the beginning here and you know maybe you want to wrap with that yeah, we've, <laughs> we've come full circle and i completely agree with you all the knowledge in the world at the tip of your fingers, that you can hold with your hand, that you can take with you into the middle of the desert as long as you have a satellite connection. Mm -hmm. But if you haven't learned to think, if you haven't learned to understand, if that's not, if you, if you missing that basic element, it will do nothing for you, right? Uh, so we must keep up with technology, right? Uh, it, uh, um, you know, because technology can be used to make our life better, but only if we use it that way and only if we change our fundamental approach, you know, yep. to how do we see yep. knowledge and how do we use it? Yep. Yeah. Uh, a lot to think about. And uh, I want to thank you for, for having this really, really deep conversation, very philosophical. I, that's, that's what I love to do, as you probably told. You can tell. Uh, yeah. So I will. I will want to back if you if you have time, maybe to to pinpoint some other elements, absolutely and, and angles, not only of the education, but other things that that you and 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 your wife with the charity United that you have founded are doing. Because it sounds like you're you're living a lot of incredible adventure, all with a purpose to to help kids. Because you know we we talk about philosophical things but at the core of everything we started with with kids and the future generation and those that have not the opportunity that every 
you know, the majority of the people do have. So I definitely want to know more about that. I would love to share the resources to your website, to how the people can connect with you and, and your books. I mean, it seems like you have this, all these uh, holiday elephants and many others. So I want people to discover that and start questioning maybe if the way we've always done it needs to keep to be always that way. I, I'm, I'm a big disruptor as a, as a personality. That's my personality. So I'm like, yeah, you know, change things. And uh, that could be the beginning. And, and I, again, please, I hope you had uh, the possibility, the chance to deliver your message here. And maybe you would want to uh, come back. I would be more than happy to keep the conversation going. Absolutely. I'd be more than happy to continue the conversation. It's been a total pleasure. Uh, you know, uh, if your listeners want, they can go to charityunited.us forward slash gift. I have an illustrated grammar book there. It's one of the materials and it's, you know, they can have it for free. Uh, it's a download over there. Uh, because there's so much we didn't cover, but it's an illustrated guide oh. to grammar where we start covering the basics of formulating uh, speech, right? And it's different than all of the elephant. It's for people who are a little more advanced. But uh, yeah, and there they can find out more about the activities. And again, absolute pleasure to be on your show. You know, call me anytime. Uh, it's been the most uh, interesting conversation and I love the perspective you guys bring to technology, you know? Uh, yeah. Thank you. And uh, likewise, was a pleasure and I hope the audience enjoy it. And so that's to everybody. Check out all the links in the notes for this show. Visit uh, uh, William's uh, website, the charity website, and uh, learn about the book. And uh, stay tuned for other episodes. And uh, yeah, another one with, uh, with William for sure. Maybe it'll be in the beginning of the new year. So thank you very much. This was Audio Signals, and this is Marco Cipelli and Sean Martin that just left the world. Take care. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Audio Signals. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share ITSPMagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society, and some even beyond that.